I want to talk to you about Christ our Savior. Christ our Savior. Last couple of weeks we've been talking about this, and it started off as a one-week uh, message, and it's ended up being three. And in Christ our Savior, two weeks ago I talked about what we're saved from. Aren't you glad that we're saved from what the adversary's doom and demise is going to be? That, that those that don't know Christ, we were destined for the lake of fire. We were the objects of God's wrath. And yet now we are redeemed and we have, we have been saved. We have been delivered from all of the things that, that are negative. I cannot imagine, cannot imagine living in eternity without the presence of God. Think about that for a moment. Everything that you know that is good, love, joy, peace, all of those things are the nature of God. The lake of fire is going to be absent from anything that is good and pure and holy. It will be vile and corrupt and evil and torment. We have been saved from that. Man, I, I don't know about you, but that really gets me excited. Last week we talked about what we're saved to. And, and, and I love what we're saved to. We're no longer the objects of God's wrath, but now we're the children of God. And Scripture says it does not yet appear what we're going to be, but we know this, that when He appears, we will be like Him. We'll see Him, for we'll be just like Him. We're going to be transformed. We're going to be changed to be like Christ. Now, I don't, and here's the greatest thing about, about that I know we talked about getting a new body that's never going to get tired, it's never going to wear out, and, and I know the older I get, the more I really like that a lot, but the one thing about that new heavenly body that, that we are going to receive, and you may ask, why do you need to receive a body? It's because we are spirit beings that are designed to live in houses. The, the, the body that you see every day when you look in the mirror Paul said that this is a tent, but when we get to heaven, we're going to have a home. Tents are temporary, homes are permanent. And that home that we're going to get, that new body that we're going to get, is not only going to be eternal, not mortal, but immortal, but the great thing about it is it's going to be lacking one thing that you have right now. That is the nature of sin. You know, that, that nature of sin that wants us to do wrong and always has the negative thought of thinking about somebody else or something, something else, that is going to be absent from us. So you say, do you think you're perfect? No, but I will be. Don't you love that? So, so not what we're saved from, what we're saved to, but I want to talk to you today about how we're saved. How we're saved. I think it's appropriate on a, on a communion Sunday that we talk about Christ our Savior and, and how you and I are saved. Scripture tells us that we receive salvation through the mercy and grace of God. Ephesians 2.18, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, For it is by grace you have been saved. I like that. Grace, the free merit of God that you have been, past tense. You have already been saved through faith. What is faith? It's trust in God. It's, it's faith is the substance of the things we hope for. It's the evidence of things we have not seen. Peter said, even though you have not seen him, yet you love him. How many know that Jesus Christ is alive and real today? 
I mean, I, I have actually had, I have had Christians talk to me and said, Pastor, you really believe God talks to you? And my response to them was, he's not talking to you? He doesn't speak to you? Because Scripture says, my sheep know my voice. And another, they will not follow. It is possible to have a relationship with God, that God will speak to you in a way that you understand, that you comprehend. He may not speak to you in the same way that he speaks to me, but he is going to speak to you. It's about us listening to him. But he said, it's by grace you've been saved and through faith. It's through this belief, understanding, a comprehension that, that you know that God is real and, and that this faith is not even from yourself. It's the gift of God. That the faith that we have to reach out and trust in Him has been given to us by our Almighty Creator. So we are saved. We receive salvation through God's mercy and grace. We also receive it through the righteousness of Jesus. The righteousness of Jesus. Righteousness simply means doing the right thing, being right. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the trespass of the one, that's Adam, death reigned through one, that's why we have to die. And this is one of the amazing things about, about this life that we live in. The scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die. And yet nobody wants to die. Because originally with Adam and Eve, they were not supposed to die. It's part of the curse of sin. That's why we fight death. And we fight aging. Because it's not in our spiritual DNA to die. For if by the trespass of one death reign through the one, much more shall they that receive the abundance of grace. I love the word abundance. He didn't just say grace. He said abundance. And it's just overflowing. You can have as much grace as you want or as much grace as you need. And it doesn't matter. You say, well, I've been, Pastor, I've been really down. I've done a lot of things. It doesn't matter. The grace of God is able to overcome all things. The grace of God is able to overcome any sin. The grace of God is able to overcome any circumstance. The grace of God is abundant. And if we just open up to it, it will fill us and overflow our lives. It's the grace of God. Much more, they receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, reign in life through the one, even Jesus Christ. The reason why we receive salvation through the righteousness of Christ because Christ had no sin. So when he was crucified on the cross, death could not hold him because there was nothing to convict him of. He was innocent, so therefore he conquered death by his righteousness, by never sinning. And that's where we conquer death. It's not through our own righteousness, but when we reach out and receive Christ by faith, his righteousness is imparted to us. That when we die, when, when that trumpet sounds, it's not going to be our righteousness that raises us from the grave, but it's going to be the righteousness of Christ in us. You're not catching that. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We receive Christ, and it's the Spirit of Christ in us. It's His Spirit, His righteousness, that will raise us from the grave. Man, I, I, that's going to be such an amazing time. 
We receive salvation through the death of Christ. Colossians 2.13 says, When you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. All our sins. Not some of our sins. All our sins. Having canceled the written code with his regulations that was against us and stood to oppose us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. There, there's no accusation that can be leveled against you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If you have his righteousness, when he died, he covered our sins. Man, it's amazing. I, I, I am excited about what Christ has done for us. We receive salvation by conviction of sin. In Acts 2, the scripture we read, when, when, uh, when Peter was preaching to the crowd on the day of Pentecost, they, they looked and they, and they said that they were pricked in their heart. They were cut to the core of their heart. And they were, they were deeply moved. They were convicted. You ever, you ever done something so bad that you just felt, oh, I felt so horrible? And it just cut you deep in here? You felt great remorse for what you've done? That's what they were saying. They, when they looked at Peter and the apostles, they said, what shall we do? Scripture says that they were, they were cut to the heart. They were, they were deeply sorrowful for the things that they had done if you want to overcome sin if you really want to overcome the sins in our lives and and, and by the way I, just because we're christians doesn't mean that we have full victory over everything in our life and i don't know if it, and there are some some things that we always have a tendency to kind of go to each person has a little different things but but there's always those things, but if you really want to overcome something in your life, and, I, and I've done this in my own life, it's when you get to the place that you realize that you're saved by what Christ did. That that thing that you're holding on to, that, that sin that you're trying to keep, that anger you're trying to keep in your heart, that animosity, that bitterness, those things that we're trying to hang on to, Christ died for those. And when you realize how much it cost Him, your sin becomes repugnant and foul. And you're cut to the heart. And you say, God, I don't want to offend you anymore. We are saved by a conviction of sin. You know, and, and I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm, I'm going to meddle. Can I meddle a little bit? I'm going to anyway, so... Yeah, and you've got to love me. Guess what Scripture says? I think sometimes we, as Christians... Yeah, or maybe I'll just talk to myself and you can listen in. Maybe sometimes as a Christian I, I, I harbor things in my life that, that I know that are kind of displeasing to God, but I kind of like doing them. Because I forget how much he paid that I can have victorious freedom from those things. And I have forgotten sometimes that when I let those things out of my life and I let them go, that he fills me with glorious grace that is so much greater 
So perhaps, perhaps something has come to your heart and mind at this moment and, and you're, you're sitting there thinking, well, maybe, maybe I should let this go. Can I encourage you to say, let it go. Let those little things in our lives, those, those bitterness. But pastor, you don't understand how much I have been hurt. You don't understand how much I've hurt others. I don't have to. Scripture says he's been touched with the infirmities of our heart. He knows everything and he has overcome all things. Let it go and walk in the abundance of grace. That was a free commercial. We've received salvation through repentance. I love that word, repentance. 2 Corinthians 7.10 Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Don't you love that? Godly sorrow. That's what we were talking about being cut to the heart. Godly sorrow. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and, and he in his, in his first letter in 1 Corinthians he, he had written and he had, had admonished them. He had challenged them about some sins they were allowing in their lives and and, and they had changed in this letter. And Paul was, was blessing them. And he said, listen, godly sorrow brings repentance that, that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. And he was, he was encouraging them. I'm so thankful that you had godly sorrow and that you repented and, and that you've turned around and now you can rejoice and you will never regret it. And he says... The worldly sorrow always brings death because the things that we sorrow about in this world are, are usually selfish motives. So they're, they're things that we miss, things that we want, things that we didn't receive, things that we didn't, weren't able to accomplish. Those, the worldly sorrow always brings death, but when we have a godly sorrow, when we decide that we are going to repent, that we are going to change our way because it we realize that what we are, we're doing was offensive to God and we love him and we want to serve him with everything in us and we turn about and we begin to walk the other way, you will never regret that decision. Never. Because godly sorrow, seeing God for who he is, challenges us. I know that God is loving, and I know that God is kind, and I know that God is good, and I also know that God is almighty, he's all-powerful, and he has power over life and death, and that he, is, that he has established the only way for us to have eternal life is through his Son, Jesus Christ. And I understand that, and, and I want to live my life not only in the joy of the Lord and knowing that God is my heavenly Father, but there's a certain reverence that I want to have in my spirit that recognizes that He is not just a benevolent grandfather, but He is God Almighty. When we see Him for who He is, man, everything else just pales to in comparison. We receive salvation by faith in God. I love that. Faith in God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith. Anybody ever seen God? It's a rhetorical question. Don't respond, please. 
I always had somebody in the past in one of the other churches, every time I'd say, this is a rhetorical question, I'd ask the question. He'd answer. I had to explain to him what rhetorical means. He'd still answer. He just liked to give answers, I guess. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is believing in the things you have not seen. I have never seen heaven, but I know it's there. I have never seen Christ, but I know he lives. I have never seen God, but I have seen his creation. Because anyone who comes to him, to God, you must believe that he exists, that God is not dead, that God is who he says he is, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see, it's not just enough to know that there is a God. Scripture says that the devil believes there is a God and trembles and shakes. He's scared. And he needs to be. But it's not enough just to believe that there is a God, but, but we receive salvation by having faith in God, and, we, and that faith compels us to diligently seek him to seek after him, to find his heart, to find his ways, to, to trust in him, to do, develop not just a monologue, but a dialogue with God, to walk in partnership with the creator of the heavens and the earth. If you want true salvation in your life, it requires a faith in God that says, when his word says, if you come unto me, I will give you peace. I will give you rest. If you are looking for rest and for peace, if you believe the word of God and you trust in God, you can diligently seek him and he will fulfill the desires of your heart. Man, there's a relationship that you can have with him. There's a relationship that all of us can have with him. And he's begging us to come. I've said this before, and I'll say it again because sometimes I forget what I've said. Uh, that we're as close to God as we want to be. We may not be as close to him as we need to be, but we're certainly as close to him as we want to be. Because if I really wanted to be closer, there's nothing to stop me from being closer than me. Because God is willing to walk with us in a, as deep and personal relationship as we are willing to give. He is not going to hold you back. He is not going to stop you. Sometimes I look at people and say, man, I wish I could pray like that. And the answer is I really could if I chose to do so. I'm as close to God as I, as I want to be. So God, give me a desire to be closer to you. Let me earnestly seek you. We receive salvation by accepting Jesus as Savior. I love this scripture. Romans 5, 17. For if the trespass of one death reign through that one, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the, light, and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Christ has to be your Savior. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men under heaven, whereby we must, must be saved. Christ, Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the answer. 
He's the answer for the problems of this world. He is the solution to every problem that this world faces. You say, well, what about world hunger? It's Jesus. Well, what about crime? It's Jesus. What, what, what about uh, racism? It's Jesus. What, well, what about treating your fellow uh, neighbor as, 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 as a friend? It's Jesus. Everything that we have wrong in this life, the true answer is Jesus Christ. Because he can solve everything. We accept him. And by accepting Christ as Savior, it doesn't mean that we say a, a quick prayer. It means that we're identifying with him as our Lord and Savior, that we are surrendering our life to him, that it's not our way to get to heaven, it's not our way to, to live our life, but we are going to allow Christ to be Lord. Wherever he wants us to go, we'll go. A lot, a lot of Christians that I know, not in this church because we're perfect almost, uh, but, but I know some Christians that, that they invite Jesus to go with them everywhere they go. Come on, Jesus, you can go with me. And that's not what Scripture says. Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. There's a difference in having Jesus go with you everywhere you want to go and allowing Jesus to lead your life. By accepting Christ, what you're really saying is, my hands are your hands, my feet are your feet, my voice is your voice, everything about me is yours. I surrender all. You say, does that happen overnight? No. It's a lifelong process. So don't get down on yourself. Just keep, just keep working on it, because I know I am. We receive salvation by confessing Christ, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him, you will be saved, will be, will be saved. If you really believe in something, you act on what you believe. If you really believed that, that this building was going to fall apart in 30 minutes, you would be out of here and you'd be begging everybody else to get out of here. If you really believed it, if you really believe in Christ, if you're confessing him, you're saying, I'm all in with him. My life is his. Everything about my life is his. This world is temporary. He's eternal. I'm with him. That's what confessing means. You're getting up and you're telling the world, you're telling those around you, I put my faith and hope and trust in him. And about abiding in Christ. I love this passage scripture. John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Here's, there's something amazing about the husbandry. With, with, uh, he's talking about grapevines. And here's, here's something that's really, really interesting. Jesus says, I am the vine. Do you realize that the vine produces the type of fruit and the quality of fruit? Everything that, that needs to be for the fruit, the quality of it, and the type of fruit is found in the vine. The branch produces the quantity of fruit and the size of fruit. So the vine tells us the quality and gives us what type of fruit. It's the branch. You and I are the branches. We determine the size of the fruit in our life, and we determine the amount of fruit in our life. 
That's why Jesus goes on to say, and my father is the husbandman that prunes the branches. Because if you want a branch to produce quality fruit, if you want a branch to produce uh, quality and, and, and quantity, you have to prune it so that which is in the vine will go to the branch. We are the branch. Jesus says if you want to live a victorious life, if you want to have a life that is full of the fruit of the Spirit, the blessings of, of God, you have to remain or abide. Abide means live with Him. Live in a relationship with Him. Don't just have a Savior that's over there. Have a Savior that's right here. Don't just live your life over here and hope that someday you're going to, to meet the Lord, but live with Him as Enoch did. Walk with Him on a daily basis because I know one thing about life. There's going to be one day, if the trumpet doesn't sound before then, that each and every one of us are going to transition from this life to the next. We're going to slip across through that veil into eternity, and you're going to stand before Christ. And, and the very first thing you, you're going to do is, is see Him. And I want to stand before a friend and not a stranger. And we develop the friendship here by abiding in Him. Live your life in Him. When we do that, Scripture tells us that we are a new creature in Him. I'm going to try to hurry because I do want to finish this. So whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new things have come. That, that person that you used to be, you're no longer that person. You're, you're a new person in Christ. You have eternal life. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Aren't you glad you have eternal life? Let's see what else we have. Because we are safe, I have been adopted by God. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will. You're the children of God the children of God. That is amazing. Can you imagine, you know, like if your dad was president, you say, oh, well, my dad's president, or my dad runs the bank. Hey, my dad's God. Top that, buddy. <laughs> We're the children of God because of salvation. God's Spirit lives in us. Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Father, Father, we have a Spirit in us that, that connects with our Heavenly Father, and it, it identifies us as His children. And the more you let that Spirit rise in your heart, the stronger the voice becomes. What else do we have because we're saved? Jesus is our advocate. 1 John 2, 1. My children, I am writing to this that you may not commit sin, but if anyone does, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. You know what an advocate is? That's somebody that goes to, to somebody else on your behalf. And Christ is always interceding for us on our behalf. He's always, he's always there to bless us, to, to intercede. We have an advocate. It's Jesus Christ. Because you are saved, nothing can separate you from God's love. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? What can separate you from the love of God? 
There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because He's our Savior. Because He's our Savior, death has no power over us. I like that. When this perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that death is defeated. Death has no power. And you may be walking through, I know John and Deneen are going through her, her her mom just passed away this week, and, and they're, they're suffering through that sting of death, but her mother is a Christian. She is with Christ, and there's going to be a day when Deneen is connected again with her mother, and she's going to be able to look back and say, Death, where is your sting now? Death, where is your victory now? Death, you have been defeated. You are conquered. You are trodden down. Christ has defeated you. You have no power over me. You have no power over my family that is following Christ. You have been defeated. Man, oh. Death has no power. Now like this, we have an inheritance that will never perish. An inheritance that will never perish. If you go to my house, you're going to see this, this cookie jar that has a little cat on it. And it was my wife's grandmother's. It's been around a long time. We don't put cookies in it. It's just to look at. I don't touch it because if it breaks... I'm not going to be responsible. But I do know this. Even though it's been around a long time, somewhere, someday, that thing's going to perish. Hopefully not on my watch. But we have an inheritance that will never perish. Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in this last time. You have a, an eternal inheritance that will not perish that nobody can steal nobody can corrupt it will not fade it will not get old it will not get tired it will not get tattered it will not dissipate it's going to always be there and it's kept in store for you by God Almighty to deliver it to you when you get there and when you get there and he gives you a crown of righteousness and he gives you these all of these blessings because of your your life you're going to be able to look at that and say the only reason I have all of these great things that God has given me is because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior Did we hit Christ our Savior enough? Do I need to go on? Man, we have a lot to, that we owe Him. And we should be rejoicing when Scripture says, as often as you do this, speaking of communion, do this in remembrance of me. 
What he's really saying is don't, don't, don't think about all the things that you've done. Think about what he has done. Don't think where you've been. Think where he went and where he is and where he's coming back to get and who he's going to come and get. Think about your, your eternal inheritance. Think about all the things that are coming up. And it's because of Christ, our Savior. Man, if that, if that doesn't put a, a little... A little dance in your step. Man, I don't know what will. If that doesn't get you excited, I mean, I think your wood's wet. I, I just, wow. Christ our Savior. Christ our Savior.